Hello, everyone. Since this is either a highlight, a standalone book, or the first episode in a series, I'm jumping in to remind you what the rules are for this podcast. First rule is no real people stories. That means that any details from our own lives are merely anecdotal. We do not read books about real people, and we are not reading historical fiction. The second rule is that we are basing our analyses off of how the author treats characters and what they put them through. We are not judging the accuracy of the trauma, the accuracy of any actual conditions that may be portrayed, nor the authenticity of a character's reaction to that trauma or that particular condition. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only. The hosts are not trained professionals, and their opinions come solely from personal experience. In this episode, we discuss fictional depictions of trauma and violence that may not be suitable for all audiences. Please take care of yourselves. Specific content warnings for each episode can be found in the show notes. Events in the media are discussed in approximate order of escalation. This episode contains spoilers. Robin. And this week is Fortnite on Books That Burnt. We are discussing Not Your Sidekick, the first book of the series of the same name. Uh, the Sidekick Squad is the series uh, by C.B. Lee. And let's get into our factions. Yes, Sidekick Squad. Sorry, just double checking I had the series name right. Okay, the factions. We have Jess, Bells, Emma, Abby, M, Shockwave, Smasher, Captain O'Brien. This is a dystopia. And our first topic is gaslighting. That good old staple of uh, dystopias where <laughs> the government pays, plays a major role. You just, you get, you get a lot of gaslighting. Yeah. Um, <laughs> All right. So this one is very very government based. The the interesting thing to me about this particular gaslighting is that the the people doing it, the people propagating it probably think that they're succeeding. So the 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 major component in the story that matters to this is that a lot of this is propaganda or done through a school system gaslighting. Or done potentially through the Hero Institute and the Villain Institute, where those people are living their lives. And they have a literally electronic textbooks, electronic pieces of, of, of information that can be edited by the government and by other people to fit their narrative. And so, as far as those people are concerned, everything that is changing how the public sees the people who they are recasting into their various roles and changing the history in those textbooks for, they they think that, that that's all they have. And it just so happens that not all textbooks used to be electronic and our main protagonist has physical copies of books from what, like 10, 15 years ago? Like, it's not that long even. 
Yeah, it, I got the impression that because I don't think I don't think her sister is that much older Maybe than her, six but six years older. Yeah, it's like either from her older sister or uh, no, it wouldn't be from her parents. No, it they specifically weren't educated says in it's her older sister. sister. Okay, yeah, then like five or six years older, like they hadn't yet switched to all electronic. Um, like maybe there was a mix or something. Yeah. And it's not like the textbooks are the only thing. Like they're the biggest thing with the gaslighting, but I yeah. did want to There are There briefly- are biggest sources of like direct misinformation there. Yeah, I, I also did want to mention- uh, as like a world building detail that's like part of this picture but isn't directly the gaslighting like older media gets banned like mm-hmm. you know stuff yeah. gets continually added to the list of like banned movies this is all the anything like basically any movie we in the real world would have heard of is probably banned or about to be like anything that had fictional superheroes like all of the Marvel and DC and like any of those movies banned comic books, whatever. Now they only have the ones of like the official real. And I say in this world, they are real ish superheroes. They actually do have powers. That's the sense in which they're real Um, superheroes and villains and stuff. And part of why that matters with the textbooks is like, since all the like official stuff about the superheroes is information from the government and the government like working with comics artists and comics creators to make government propaganda of the actual superheroes and villains and stuff. Um, uh, it's just like that combined with the absence of other media creates this thing where directly or indirectly the government is making most media or at least restricting most media that they can consume yeah there's a there's a very solid thread of just it doesn't matter what you thought yesterday what we are telling you today is reality <laughs> mhm and like there's a scene where um Jess, like, just knows a thing off the top of her head because, like, her parents are superheroes. She's, like, really, really into this. And the other kids act like she's an idiot and doesn't know what she's talking about. And the teacher tells her she is wrong. And she's like, but but I I knew this with my brain. I remembered this. Right. I didn't have to double check your your info sources to know. And in fairness to the classmate, the classmates, like, probably weren't into this as much as she is and maybe didn't have their facts switched. They just learned it for the first time from this textbook that had been edited. I was going to say, they might not have had a primary source before this class. Exactly. Well, and this isn't even a primary source. This is a secondary source. But they might not even have had a source before the class. Right. Yeah. But uh, being a teacher in this world must be so (laughs) weird. And like, I, okay. I am well aware that there is a way in which this does happen. Uh, The teaching of U.S. history is particularly rife with stuff like this. But the electronic textbooks changing. It makes it a whole different thing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it makes it particularly insidious because it's not like, well, you know, the previous edition that was published that you can find in the back catalog or whatever had this, but then we've updated it. We either, we know better now or something, or, you know, there's a little bit more of a way to check. 
And even when we also have electronic textbooks, that's usually an also. And they have, like, version numbers Plus and it, stuff. Plus, it seems like, I mean, our, our internet has, it's not just free and clear and whatever you want, but it's much closer to that than it seems like the net quote-unquote is in this series it the 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 internet in this series is very much very much seems to be a thing that is also just purely governmentally controlled there's no indication of private anything and there's a sense of like well we're gonna look on the internet but we already know like the government sites to go to and where we're gonna find things and like there's there's no there's no mention at all of anything personal uh, other than just like my favorite movies or my messages with my friends, and that's all. Ver- versus like in re- in our current reality, yeah, there's a lot of things on the internet that are incredibly misinformative, and there's a lot of things on the internet that like are incredibly controlled or monetized in a way that makes them essentially worthless for information. But but then you there's can also still a make bunch a of blog. Other stuff. Yeah, you can still make a blog and post whatever you want, which is part of the misinformation. But it's not all a giant narrative all the time, and it it is in this book <laughs> very much so. Yeah, like it's not like I don't know. It, it didn't get the impression that she uses the internet the way we use the internet. It very much felt like she uses the internet to find a job search and to mi- check her messages, and that's all. That's all she does. And that kind of restricted information environment makes all the gaslighting easier to do. Um, we had this for the minor character spotlight because, yeah, we're seeing it from Jess's perspective, but all of the kids at the school are getting gaslighted. It's every it's everybody in functioning yeah. in their society. Even to the point of like the the one like superhero on stage that we see, mm-hmm. uh, is just out there just lying to the public. <laughs> it's and a stage. It. It's a stage performance, but it's a stage performance that is being sold to the public as reality, which mm-hmm. is incredibly. Di- it's it's it it's as though reality television was about safety and f- government controlled. <laughs> And I, since I want to make clear that gaslighting isn't simply lying, like we've said this before in episodes, but we haven't said yeah. it in this one. Gaslighting is more than just lying. It's um, saying it's convincing someone that their perception of reality must be incorrect because it contradicts whatever the gaslighting person is trying to get them to believe, and so kind of the quintessential moment of that in this book is when Jess knows the answer and the teacher and her fellow students are like, oh, you're wrong because it's not this thing. So like they are mainly the teacher, but also kind of ambiently the other students. It's kind of this reinforcing, you can't trust your own memory. Look at this totally able to be changed from a far electronic textbook as the source of the real information. Well, and also a big, a big thing that we, we get a big hint of at that same superhero conference thing. There are questions asked of the superhero at the podium and questions where it's like, hey, what is happening with this very true thing? And they go, that thing? That's a lie. And like, it's not really a thing. Yeah, that's not really a thing. And, and trying to convince that person that they are like, 
not just wrong, but like, it was never that way. What are you talking about? Those are really the two big instances in the book, but there's just this pervasive, well, if you think that, then you're the one with warped reality. Right, (laughs) right. That's that's where it, it it goes from lie from lying to gaslighting. And as a world building thing, like from like the author making this choice in the book, it fits the world really well. Like Yeah. In a way it's building a lot of the world. But yeah, it's it's not great for uh all of the people who aren't Jess, who thus far don't know that this is going on, that this is happening to them. On to Abby and kidnapping. Uh, sh- her parents are missing uh, and have been taken. Abby does not get kidnapped in this one unless I'm suddenly forgetting something uh yeah so she is the one left behind after the kidnapping and she's the kid left behind after the adult napping um <laughs> we're still gonna call it kidnapping we don't really oh, differentiate sure. <laughs> in this nah, in ju- our society just, our language. yeah but yeah her parents have been missing for weeks before she ends up hiring jess she's like pretending to be her dad and just uh, all this stuff we should note that her hiring Jess, she's a teenager. She's a high schooler. So mm-hmm. this is not a seven-year-old abandoned and alone, unable oh, to yeah. feed themselves. This is a high schooler who is able to kind of mimic and impersonate at least one of her parents for a while, um, who is, you know, already has access to the computers, already has been trusted with a lot of the tech and, and the understanding of how things work and where things are. So, you know, that it puts it is it's important just for perspective, I think. Yeah. For anyone and who like, has not read the book to understand like this is not a little child, but it is still a major problem. Yes. In terms of like why the author picked this cuz you know that they got uh, taken is uh, fairly straightforward like this happened to this character's parents, but like uh it does a bunch of things for the narrative. It lets us have person a ha- uh, kid having to be like an adult without killing off the parents at least thus far so i did appreciate that because a lot of middle grade books i mean there there there's two two ways to generally speaking there's two ways to have kid do an adventure without getting too bogged down by adults it's either the kid goes very far away or the, right, adults or the adults vanish. <laughs> yeah. And it was nice to have one where the adults vanish without, at least thus far, being dead. I don't know what's going to happen in the sequels. It, it was interesting to me, too, is that Abby makes a decision here to pretend to be both herself and her parent instead of just telling anyone her- that there's a problem. Well, no, instead of just being one of those two people. Like, I understand. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> that's a good point. I understand that for the person in government who she is trying to fool into causing problems if they know that her parents are missing, I, I understand from that perspective choosing to be her dad mm-hmm. in that moment. But she also literally, in hiring Jess, tries to then also be the other teenager 
that wasn't necessary. Like it's it's that's, such that's an interesting decision. Like that was so <laughs> much extra work for her, unless, and this is what I am unsure of because I don't remember. Okay. I'm unsure if being in the suit physically is a draining thing, and maybe she just can't handle that. But we we canonically see her do it for like eight hours or five hours a day. Like you know, we yeah. see her do that a lot. So so she's I don't really know. okay. So we um there's a bit where when the thing has knocked out her power at the end of the book she can't she they have to get her out of the suit because her power is what lets her animate it so right but that's but that's the thing is it's a big plot point in the book that powers are draining yes but she Look, she's doesn't really seem strong. To struggle with that <laughs> like you know, so I, I just thought it was an interesting decision because also Abby only goes over like three days a week. It's oh. not every day. Like and Jess. Yeah. Or Jess. Yeah. Jess. Well, Abby also, because at a certain point, like they start hanging out outside of work. So like. Right. She's literally not there. Like, I don't know. I just thought it was a really interesting choice, both uh-huh. on the author's side and a choice that the author gave the character to just do that when they could very easily have not. Okay, well, I would say- It was say really they're... funny. I, I don't think we should just dig into it. I just wanted to point out that, like, that's a funny, that's a very, that's a very high school way of of handling that. Mm-hmm. When so, you're just like, okay, I have to beat my dad. Oh, no, I have to be both people. Like, no, you really don't. You really didn't. It, I it was, was going to say- It just struck me as really entertaining. Okay, but- Here's here's the plot that happens if she's just pretending to be her dad. I don't think that, we have time to dig into that if we're going to talk. This is one sentence. Okay. Well, uh, uh, you know, several weeks into it, something happens. She's out of power at the suit. And then she's just there as Abby and Jack freaks out and is like, why are you here? What do you mean the, these people are your parents? Like, I mean- but I, I just think you get that moment at a different time. I agree. Her solution she, is ridiculous. Her, her running back wild. and forth is ridiculous. But she could anyway. literally, she could literally have just said, "Hi, I'm Abby. I work here. Also, I have like this super sealed lab, so that things don't have problems with electricity, and you won't see me." Done. Problem solved. Okay, Boom. you solved it. Yay! And then if if she reappears later, like, well, of course she did. It's just not all the time. But that, but instead, she does this really wild back and forth running. It's just, it's. Yep. It's very comedic. Um it would make a very good a very good goofy <laughs> moment in a TV show. Um but yeah. as far as like the the trauma of kidnapping. Yes. She ends up in a position of having to be the one to rescue her parents and only manages to rescue one of them by the end of the book. Yeah. So, I'm expecting that book 2 is probably going to involve getting the other parent uh, that's my I, I hope for a, Abby, at least, but I don't uh, know. That would be nice. I have a sneaking suspicion it's going to be a swap. Oh, no. They're going to get back <laughs> their dad and then lose mom again. And, like, it's just going to be a whole, like, <laughs> they, the, like everybody else has too many resources and you can't handle. Or or gets back her dad and she gets captured. Yeah, something like that. Something like that. But uh, <laughs> it'll be really entertaining. Um, but yeah, that's, it's, it's such a, a, it's a thing where her character, she is, she doesn't have really a way of, of handling it. Mm -hmm. And even when she and Jess start getting closer and talking more and hanging out and opening up to each other, there still really is not, 
she really still doesn't have a way of handling it. She has immediate gut instinct reactions and that's it because it, it it's just been her trying to figure this out and survive on her own without them and panicking and it's it only it's only because of the combination of the powers that they have and who they are and the fact that they were slightly ahead of the authorities you know really in my opinion means that it even works out at all but it's it's very much this kid who's just kind of going through it alone and doing okay because again they're a teenager with all of the wealth and resources of their parents at their disposal and has superpowers and so is functionally fine but But emotionally unsupported emotionally unsupported just kind of panicking for a while (laughs) and then the immediate first chance they have it like oh this could be my pair immediately runs and jumps straight at it and it just so happens that she's right because it's a book but there's there's so much of this like trauma reaction of like okay but i gotta fix it right now cannot figure this out cannot wait cannot do anything else kind of a a a feel to her her decision making in this in the story on to jess and betrayal so earlier we mentioned claudia jess's older sister uh, they used to be really close, and then Claudia kind of stopped paying attention after it looked like Jess wasn't going to get powers. And then she's just kind of like, Claudia's like just not around, really, for the first half of the book. And then, but Jess talks about her a lot, because she has like, she cares about her sister so much and really idolizes her and looks up to her. And then, so, like, it feels like Claudia has been there the whole time, even though technically she hasn't. She has a huge emotional presence early on through Jess's narration. And then by the time we actually meet Claudia, she has dyed her hair blonde to look like her idol. And she's all in on the government's plan. And it's very, like, ends justify the means, which is uh, not good when, uh, spoiler, (laughs) Captain Orion is is bad it's not good it's not good i do want to point out and this is not something i want to have like an in-depth discussion about i just want to yeah highlight it real quick because i think it it is it's, it's important yeah. for context with this mm-hmm. so uh jess and claudia's family are not white mm-hmm. but there is a huge push for heroes to look like white blonde hair blue eyes as possible yeah there's a there is a oh you're not white enough to be a hero so you'll be on the villain track stated in the narrative and so claudia vanishing dyeing her hair blonde and then coming back to jess and saying you can be just like me and jess goes no (laughs) you have rejected everything i care about myself and like, what I cared about you. And all you have is your superpowers and your like attempt to look like somebody else. And I I want nothing to do with this. And just in case anyone hasn't read this and is interested in what the rep is beyond non-white, um, yeah. they, Jess and Claudia, they're mixed Chinese-Vietnamese because one of their parents is each. Yeah. And they're first generation immigrants because neither of their parents were born in the U.S., yeah, so, but but it's more than it's stuff. more than just them 
there's a yeah i don't remember i think we know oh it's systemic well i was gonna say i don't remember what abby's heritage is i know they there's hints to something but i don't remember what it was um but there's a there's very much a a a racism stemmed with this that like intermingles but it but it visually it impacts the decision of like claudia coming back and and visually looking different looking whiter looking quote-unquote more hero-esque and jess jess in the book there's this scene where jess sees that change in claudia and has a reaction to it of just oh no (laughs) like what (laughs) what is this why are you doing that yeah because also she's dyed to hair to look like someone who is by according to the government a hero and according to all of her actions definitely villainous yeah Um, right (laughs) yeah so and then claudia gives jess the option of being her sidekick because she doesn't know that she has powers or just nothing she's like you're either with me so i can use you as a tool or just nothing and um or i will disown you and maybe i'll help throw you in jail yeah goodbye and in terms of (laughs) In terms of how the author, like, set this up, I, you know, mentioned Claudia having this, like, huge emotional presence early on. Like, so much so that when I reread this for for recording this episode, because I had first read it a year ago, um, I had thought Claudia showed up, like, way earlier. Because, like, it felt like, it felt like she'd been there the whole time. And so part of why I'm, like, making a point of, no, she really only shows up, like, halfway through the book, is because I could have sworn she was around like a lot earlier, but no, she's just elsewhere. And Jess is just thinking about her a lot and wondering what she would think and thinking about, you know, how sad she is that their relationship isn't as close as it used to be. But also the way that it was close was all predicated on Jess having powers. And then she feels bad that she doesn't have powers. And so she's got all this stuff tangled up and all this idolization of this person. And then not only is does she feel rejected as a sister but she also feels rejected as like you know she finally has powers and all claudia wants to do if she knew about them all she'd want to do is just use jess for them and try and get jess to hurt people yeah because man if if gosh if the if jess turned given what her power is when the government's like on a hunt for people to lock them oh, up, if she they would be had the Jess, perfect, the perfect instrument. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, uh, I suspect that the author thought of that before us. So we'll see what happens in later books. But you know, it, it, it would just be really bad. And so Jess finally has something to tell Claudia. To be like, look, I'm just like you. I have powers. And at the moment that she could finally say that, she no longer wants to be just like Claudia. Yeah. Which is really powerful. I think I know why she emotionally, it, why you might have thought that she was there earlier. Just functionally. Uh, there's a lot of times where Jess is alone with their little brother and will include Claudia in her internal monologue about things that are happening. Yes. And so it's literally, well, we're talking about the siblings now, and then her brother is physically there. Right. And then Claudia isn't. And Claudia isn't. But Jess is there in Jess's head. So.
know Rob Thomas has been writing since the mid-90s? The Matchbox 20 guy? No, the guy behind Veronica Mars. Oh, and iZombie. And Cupid, Party Down, the Cupid reboot. I haven't seen those. Me neither, but we should watch them and then talk about them on our podcast. Yes, we could call it the Rob Thomas. No, not that one. Robcast. Every other Tuesday with Alex and MJ. Find us at notthatrobcast.libsyn.com or wherever you download podcasts. On to the wrap-up and ratings for the gratuity rating for gaslighting. Backstory off-screen, mild, moderate, or severe? Uh, it's definitely on-screen. Well, it's yeah. off-screen, on-screen. I'm even We're aware s- that it's happening more than it literally shows up, but the very yeah. particular moment that made us decide to do this as a, as a specific event, I think is moderate. I was almost going to go... So here's the, the question. I was going to... Okay, this will come into play in our... Yeah, okay. I, I agree with moderate for the actual things that are happening. Yes. It's more it's more subtle and less I, it I agree permeates with moderate. the world building. Yeah. I agree yep. with I agree with moderate. Okay. I have other thoughts yeah. for our other section. <laughs> okay. Uh is what's happening there. Uh kidnapping. kidnapping. This is either Backstory. moderate or severe. Ooh. <laughs> uh it, the actual kidnapping is backstory. Uh, the fallout from it is, I agree, moderate or severe. Well, that's that's the question, right? Because the act is backstory, but everything, including a rescue attempt, is on screen. Yes. So um, I'm trying to. I th- I think. Uh, so so yes. Yeah, so we, there is no okay, backstory severe. Yeah, backstory is like. Uh, I think backstory slash severe because okay we have done that before when mm-hmm. a, a backstory event is still occurring, so to speak. Yeah. Went on screen. So um, if you're like sensitive to literal scenes of someone being kidnapped, that yeah, isn't then that's not here. this. Right. Right. But all the after effects and stress from it is all there. Um, I think severe yeah like i mean it's it's either moderate or severe and i'm i'm good with severe yeah and and i i mean it you know it is a middle grade book so this is not yeah. like <laughs> we'll, the we'll same get into way that we, with our care yeah yeah but how much there is is it's a lot um built up and woven into the structure of the book which we talked about um in the main section yeah uh, integral, interchangeable, or irrelevant. The gaslighting <laughs> uh, is integral. <laughs> inter- integral. Yep. The kidnapping. I think um, it might be interchangeable. Yeah, I don't think it. For the plot of, I mean, I'm sure for the arc of the series it'll matter more, but for this actual book, it doesn't matter why they're gone it until does? the last ten percent oh, yeah, of the yeah, book. Yeah. I mean, it 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 matters that they are gone, but not but yeah, why. But not why. Like. It could have been true that they were sick, like, and it <laughs> wouldn't have changed much. Yeah. Uh, betrayal, betrayal. I I want to, this one is really hard because it's really important to our main character. But not really to the plot. That's because oh, it's, a, it's kind of a last scene, last piece of a plot thing. So again, it's a question of like, I think this will, I think you're right that this one will also matter more in future books 
But for I this mean, book, it's almost, it's not irrelevant because it, it is foreshadowed it, it feels, in things that cause the plot to happen. It feels like curse your sudden but inevitable betrayal, like a little bit. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. It's it's literally that. Yeah. Um, I, I'm going to say interchangeable mm-hmm. because something was being built to that had to happen to justify a lot of other things in the book. Yeah. It didn't have to be this. This but makes most of that sense. Could have been a, most of it could have been accomplished with the person she was betrayed in favor of. Yes. It, it didn't, didn't actually yes. need the betrayal in order for most of that to happen. Yeah, exactly. So I'm I'm cool. I'm voting interchangeable. Yep. Good with that. Point of view for trauma oh, and nope. aftermath. Care. <laughs> Whoops, care. Sorry. <laughs> care. Uh was it treated with care? The gaslighting. Yeah. I think, yeah. I think our readers were treated with a lot of care. I think mm-hmm. that uh, at no point in the book, even when like we were not shown anything until the character figured out that that was not true. And we yeah. were also given the character's proof immediately as soon as we were given the, the gaslighting yep. as it happened. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, as an ad- as an adult reader of this book, I'm like, oh, they're totally lying about this. Like, right, earlier. Exactly. <laughs> but, like, oh, no, that's nope, that's not right. <laughs> but but the, even as a kid, you know, even if you mm-hmm. believed it, and you're like, they, what? And then the next sentence is our main character going, that's a lie. I have the proof. And it's like, okay. We, yeah. we know what's and it's going not on. like we're gonna know the history of like this one character was or wasn't a villain until yeah so yeah the point at which the character brings up that this is wrong is it literally yeah, is when it gets resolved yeah 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 um or clarified not resolved but clarified <laughs> pretty immediately right 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 then for the kidnapping uh i think this is treated with kind of a lot of care also Mm-hmm. It's backstory. It's definitely impacting our character who it is impacting much more than we are shown on screen. But we are shown that it is impacting her. It's right. just that it's not... We don't see her struggling and traumatized. We see her going, this is very difficult for me. This hurts. Mm-hmm. This is hard. But it's not being acted out in a way that would feel like it's coming out at the reader. Yeah. That's my argument. <laughs> No, no, no. I, I agree that it's definitely it's definitely enough because you know. Oh, I was show just going straight actually- up. Yes. You think oh, it's oh, just yes. Enough? Okay. No, no. I. No, yeah. I'm good with yes. Yeah, okay. because you know it, it doesn't. It does. It shows. Yeah, it shows that emotional effects are there, but it emotionally allows room for there to be more plot than this person's parents are missing. Yes. Like it. It gives space for more than that. Yeah, in a, in a good way. Um, then the betrayal. Uh, this one is difficult because I think it's at least enough. But I also think it's the the foreshadowing is... It's a bit heavy-handed. Enough. Yeah. I, I think... I, I think this is... I think this is maybe enough because... Our main character was already kind of feeling a little bit left behind, not betrayed, mm-hmm. but like abandoned even <laughs> by this there, character. There's, 
there's an emotional promise that has been broken before the story begins. Yes. Yeah. So I, I think I think maybe I think the actual act of betrayal is enough. Yeah. Because we, we knew like we were prepared as an audience. <laughs> you know, we were prepared for her to already not be good <laughs> at this. <laughs> not do, yeah, not make good decisions with our character. And, if, and even if you, you know, are a kid reading this like there's a gap between like hey this person that we know this other person idolizes seems like maybe they're bad and so it it kind of softens the blow a bit on that the implication where if this person still supports that other person then this has implications on what it means for them um yeah so it yeah okay and to our new point of view relative sorry point of view <laughs> i keep being one ahead i'm I, so you sorry keep trying to skip things i'm sorry uh point of view it's you have just a structure for a reason robin no i'm kidding i'm sorry i don't know what's going wrong today uh <laughs> point of view trauma and aftermath all right the point of view for the gaslighting like i mean it we have Jess. The gaslighting happens to Jess. It always also happens to a bunch of other people, but Jess we is do our point of view for mo- the majority of the story. Yeah. But the person we were talking about with the kidnapping, um, we don't get that person's perspective. Um, yeah. And that definitely, you know, affects our other ratings for, you know, care and gratuity because the person who is dealing with this kidnapping isn't our point of view character. So we only have however much Jess gets to see of this event. Right. They aren't around each other all the time. And it's been being dealt with for a while before Jess's life intersects with this other person's. Yeah. And then for Jess uh, with the betrayal, you know, she's being betrayed and we get her perspective. Yeah. All right. Now in order, uh, uh, <laughs> trope spotter um yes okay so uh trope spotter is our relatively new segment where we talk about a trope that's in the book at least briefly so this one is broken pedestal that's uh the idea that someone whom the protagonist idolizes turns out to be despicable this is tied into our betrayal but it is in this particular thing I'm thinking of for uh, the example, it's not actually the person we talked about in our betrayal segment. Um, but yeah, and, you know, I like this is a trope. It's um, it kind of goes along with the warning, like, don't meet your heroes like this broken pedestals when you find out that someone you really, really looked up to is just garbage. Yeah, uh, not great. Yeah. What was your favorite non-traumatic thing about the book? Without spoilers, there's a certain uh-huh. character who I really like how their power works. Oh, no. Actually, okay. Still without spoilers. I'm going to put a different one. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the implications in the book that their method of measuring superheroes and villains in two classes is so useless and disconnected from the reality of those people's lives now i don't know if it's entirely non-traumatic because it is used as a tool to 
force people into things the government wants them to do. But the concept to me that they went, we know how powers work. If you can do this, you're in this one. And then we have canon evidence in the book of people who are just like, oh, yeah, they rated me C class. But like, I mean, I do this all the time. This is all Mm -hmm. day for me. And it's like, wait, you what? But you're not your A class. Well, don't tell them that. They don't even know who I am. Like, it's so funny. Uh, Yeah, it's it's really great. (laughs) It it feels like it feels like the book equivalent to like someone someone being like, well, you know, I, I I'm okay with computers. And then if you at work, they're like, ah, I kind of know what I'm doing. I can fix it for you if you like in a pinch, if we really can't pay another human to. And then they go home and have like edit and modified every game they've ever played, <laughs> like in the code themselves without looking anything up. And it's like, yeah, OK, sure, buddy. <laughs> like you just don't want them to know. Yeah, accurate. <laughs> it, it was just it was really entertaining to me. And it. Yeah. There was enough of it that it was like, is this a plot hole or is the government just very incompetent? And, and we get the we get the the government is incompetent and also people are doing this deliberately. Like we get yeah. we get that feel. It's just it's highly amusing. Yep. Uh, what was yours? Mine um, is the someone trying to be two different people for no reason other than to. Okay, charitably, there is a reason, and it does make sense, and it's a teen's best reaction to handling this situation. Uncharitably, needed it in order to make the vaguely sitcom-y romance plot thing happen. Yeah. Um, I'm totally cool with either. Like, <laughs> I, I just, you know, I, 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 I liked it. I think it's really funny. The, like, sheer just incredulity of trying to do that and mostly have it work um is part of what i like about it but it's also extremely ridiculous to the point that i was talking about this book with someone and they were like so was the romance the main plot or were the superheroes the main plot and i was (laughs) like i think the superheroes are the series arc but i think the romance might have been the main plot of this book Mm. So there's that like it's it's sweet and cute and it's it's funny it's just like oh my goodness that is ridiculous. Yeah. Uh thank you so much for joining us and we will catch you in a fortnight. All music used in this podcast was created by Nicole as Heartbeat Art Co. and is used with permission. Our transcriptionist is Heather. Follow her on Twitter at MamaDragon20. We're proud members of the Certain Point of View Network. Find all the CPOV shows at www.certainpov.com. You can contact us on Twitter at Books That Burn or by email at booksthatburn at yahoo.com. Please consider leaving us a tip at ko-fi.com slash booksthatburn or becoming a monthly supporter on patreon.com slash 
watch Books That Burn. All patrons get access to our upcoming book list, bonus content, including the second half of all interviews, and will receive a one-time shout-out. To get updates on our written reviews, recent episodes, and newly completed transcripts, subscribe to our fortnightly newsletter at buttondown.email slash books that burn. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Pandora, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Please leave us a review wherever you're listening. This helps people to find the show. Thanks for listening. We'll be back in two weeks.